And today we're talking about, um, you know, a patient's actual experience, her positive experience with clinical trials. So I would like to introduce, um, you know, our, our, our main guest of the show today, um, Lori Adami. So Lori, thank you for joining us. Uh, Lori is a, a lymphoma survivor and has participated um, in a few different clinical trials. So we're just, we, we've got some questions for her today and I'm ho really hoping that uh, this session is helpful to some of the other patients out there who may be thinking about, uh, you know, participating in a clinical trial or just have questions in general. So Lori, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome, happy to be here today. Yeah, yeah, and we also have Kristen Johnston on the line with us. Uh, she is our Chief Nursing Officer here at Massive Bio as well. Hi, Kristen. Hi, everyone. Hello, hello. All right, so Lori, I just wanna get jump, you know, jump in and get started here. Um, it, you have a really fantastic um, story to share, um, and we're, you know, grateful that you're here taking the time with us today to, to talk about this. So, um, you know, I guess, so my first question is, uh, you know, Obviously, you're a cancer survivor, um, so congratulations there. We are always happy to hear uh, those stories. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about your diagnosis? Um, you know, did you visit your doctor because you you were weren't feeling well initially, um, or how did that diagnosis come about? Sure. So I was 46 years old, and I had started to experience some strange health sort of new health situations. I had begun to get a lot of sinus infections. I had a swollen node in my neck. I had a very dry eye and could no longer wear my contacts. And I was like a long-term contact lens wearer. And then I had felt something in my abdomen that was suggested it was a hernia. And, but most of all, I was really, really fatigued. And so something just wasn't right. And so I began to see doctors to try to get to the end, you know, figure out what was going on. Mm -hmm. And on Good Friday, 2006, I had a, um, was given a CT scan to see what was going on. And they discovered that I had a grapefruit-sized mass in my abdomen. Wow. And disease, extensive disease throughout my body. So, um, wow. and at that point I was sent for a biopsy and it was determined that I had a type of non-Hodgkin lymphoma called follicular non-Hodgkin. I was stage four and um, you know, obviously very sick and all the health problems that I had been experienced were a direct result of that non-Hodgkin lymphoma diagnosis. At the time, I was told that follicular non-Hodgkin is an incurable cancer and you know, was given some pretty scary statistics at the time of my diagnosis. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Lori, you've really been through so much. So from there, then how did a clinical trial kind of come into play? Yeah. Okay, so, so right out of the box, at the time there was really one approved therapy that was sort of considered the big guns, if you will. It was called RCHOP, which was a combination of a monoclonal antibody rituxan and four um, chemo kind of alkylating alkylating agency, agents. Um, and because I had such extensive disease and because I was stage four and because I was so sick, I was taken directly to that option as being my best right. shot for complete remission. So I had our CHOP starting um, 
you know, just after my diagnosis, May of 2006, and underwent six cycles and of the therapy every three week chemo. And at the end was declared in remission. And so of course was thrilled to hear I was in a complete remission after being so sick. But unfortunately at my first follow-up scan, I had already relapsed. So three months later, I already had disease presentation in my lungs. And at that point, I was encouraged to do an auto stem cell transplant. And my cells had been harvested right after I got into complete remission. But I began to research an auto stem cell transplant for follicular non-Hodgkin. And what I discovered was that half of the patients who got a stem cell transplant at their first remission, or first relapse rather, after our job, relapsed after the stem cell transplant within the first year. And so I realized the odds weren't so great. And so that was when I thought, I've got to find a trial. I've got to find Mm -hmm. something else to do to buy time. Okay. Wow. It sounds like you really did your research, which is amazing. That's fantastic. And and so great, honestly, for everyone to know, really. But now, was your physician supportive of your decision to consider enrollment in a trial? So I had gotten three opinions at the time when I was diagnosed, because it's very important for a cancer patient to get more than one opinion. Absolutely. Um, And so all of them had said the same thing, our chop. And at relapse, they were all saying the same thing. But because I knew the statistics were so poor, and I had a little boy in kindergarten, and honestly, to go in the hospital for three or four weeks and get the stem cell transplant with a likely not great outcome, I was just refusing to do it. And so I was actually being cared for by a gentleman who runs the stem cell transplant department at one of these outside opinions. And so of course he was wanting me to transplant and I kept (laughs) saying, but I can't, I've got this little kid, I can't be away. So he agreed to look into trials at his facility. And so that's how that all worked out. And so it was very much my being very much my own advocate that I was just refusing to do it. And I was saying, you've got to find me something else. Mm -hmm. Right. So it sounds like you really, you know, you obviously put family first Mm -hmm. and that was a huge consideration for you. So did you discuss this decision? I'm assuming with your family, you know, before and how did they feel about it? Um, my family was all on board. You know, the, the thing was to get the odds in my favor, to do what was going to prolong my life. And I couldn't see the basis for doing a stem cell transplant and having a second round of really intense chemo that could leave me with long-term potential side effects. Now, the trial that I ended up getting offered was actually an oral treatment. It was pills. And so it meant I could even do it from home, which, you know, compared to being in the hospital for three or four weeks and complications, I mean, it was kind of a no brainer to try this because there was really no harm. And this trial that I got into this drug that they were trialing for my disease had already been approved for T cell lymphomas. So I knew the safety profile had already been well established. So the risks were, you know, appeared to be relatively modest compared to a stem cell transplant. And it was a phase two trial. 
So it was past that phase one. So it was more of the dosing stage where they were determining the most effective dosing stage. So it, it was really not much of a choice for me to make. Right. That's great. That's great. Um, okay. So I guess my question from there is, you know, you, you decided to get enrolled in the trial. Um, how was it complicated to get enrolled? Um, or, or, you know, what, what did that process look like? Um, and then once you were enrolled, you know, how, how was your experience? Uh, did this, was the staff helpful? You know, did you um, need assistance with uh, any additional information or travel or anything like that? Okay, so compared to getting a stem cell transplant, it was a breeze. And, um, you know, I was assigned a trial coordinator okay. where I was being treated in this trial. And, you know, she immediately reached out. They had to do biopsy, which, you know, they would have for an auto transplant as well. So they had to do a biopsy of, the, of one of the mouses. Um, but they arranged it. You know, everything was set up. I had this trial coordinator holding my hand the entire time. So she met with me when I went out. To the facility she guided me through everything i signed the releases you know when you go into a trial you have to sign documentation you know that you're enrolling in this and you know they outline the, the side effects and whatnot and the the process was laid out very clearly to me and it was a snap so i was able to enroll really quickly which right. at that point was important because, you know, I knew my disease was growing the longer yeah. I waited and exactly. I wanted to get started. So, you know, within, I think it was like within 10 days, I had already started. Wow. It was very quick. Sounds like they were treating you like a VIP patient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Which you but, are. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, you know, people that enroll in clinical trials are really treated, you know, I, the, I was in three clinical trials over my 12 year battle with non-Hodgkin wow. and you know every time I did a trial you know they roll they do really I felt like they were rolling out the red carpet you know wow. because you're valued as a participant mm -hmm. because without trial participants they cannot further these new therapies so yeah. so you know we're, we're really valued you know all along the way they hold they held my hand I was getting called constantly are you okay? Are you having any new symptoms? You know, they really watch you like a hawk because yeah. they want to make sure that there's nothing going awry in this trial. And in fact, I had seven therapies over my 12 year battle and mm -hmm. three of them were clinical trials. And I have to say, I felt much more cared for when I was in a trial mm -hmm. than when I was in the standard of care. Yeah, so, that's so wonderful you know, to hear. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's what we always promise our patients, you know, that that's that's the type of care they're going to to get and receive that that close watch that extra eye, you know, an extra hand really and ear to listen to as well, you right. know, that that's the extra, the extra step and the extra, you know, that's why we want to encourage patients as well. Just right. And, and the fact that I ended up doing three clinical trials just as proof right there that it all. the first <laughs> process was so smooth for me right. that, you know, right. there was no reason not to do it. And my perception was that clinical trials offer um, much more targeted therapies, mm -hmm. you know, so, so the side effect profiles for those tend to be 
you know, much more tolerable because like on the three clinical trials I was on, I didn't lose my hair. I didn't, you know, it was very different because of the fact that they tend to be much more targeted, newer technologies, newer therapies. So Mm -hmm. it was a great experience. That's wonderful. That's wonderful to hear. Like Kristen was saying, um, you know, that's what we would hope for every patient. And I, I really truly do feel that, you know, patients that are participating in these trials, especially, you know, they, the focus is on that patient. It is all about that patient and how you're doing with that treatment and, and follow up and just making sure that there is someone there for you and, and checking in on you all the time. Um, so it's, it's a benefit for the patient, uh, you know, as well as, as their research team and just, uh, you know, cancer research in general. So, uh, I, I love hearing that, you know, you did choose to participate in three different trials. Clearly you recognize, you know, the importance there, um, and the treatment options, uh, that, you know, that are available to you. So, um, you know, what would you say to someone who's unsure? right now about participating in a trial. Um, Maybe talk to us a little bit about what your fears were before your first trial. Um, And then, you know, some advice that you could give anyone watching that that may be interested in in hearing about a trial. So honestly, honestly, the main fear I had going in was that it might not work, that it might not control my cancer. So, you know, and then I was looking at the potential of, gee, what else am I going to do? Because remember, at the time I got into the trial, the only other option was a stem cell transplant. And for me, going into a trial, I was hoping to at least get stable disease. Because if I could get stable disease, that would buy time for other options to come down the pike. You know, I read the disclosures, I read the side effect profiles, and honestly, they looked significantly better than the side effect (laughs) profiles and the other option I was getting, which was an auto stem cell transplant. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the risk on that side and, and the concern in my mind was much less with the trial options than it was with the standard of care therapy. Yeah. So honestly, that was not a concern. Um, It was much more, is it going to work? Is it going to buy me time? Because honestly, I was trying to buy time waiting for other therapies to come back that could be or to come out that could be more effective at controlling my disease. Yeah. So it sounds like even when, you know, before you even enrolled to the trial, you were incredibly informed about even what what we knew of so far as far as the potential side effects. Like you had all the information that you needed to make that decision to actually get enrolled, right? Right. It was very clear. And they had extensive data. They, you know, when they get into these trials, they, they typically have enough vetting that they can establish what the likely side effect profiles will be for the patient. Mm-hmm. Now, right. of course, when you're on a trial, you have to you have to report anything that happens to you. So, you know, you develop a headache, you know, you have to communicate that. And, you know, that headache could have nothing to do with the trial. But when you're on the trial, you report everything that happens to you, which means the side effects can include a lot of stuff that may never happen to anybody. Because, you know, there's also people in the trials that have other pre-existing conditions. And so they might be having side effects that you'll never see. But everything's out there for the patient who enrolls in the trial to take a look at it. So, yeah, so it was never, you know, everything was very, um, very transparent. 
you know, everything was presented in a way that was, you know, very, very transparent. So. Okay. Now, Larry, I know you mentioned you were in, in three trials. Is that correct? That's correct. Now, can you tell us what phase trials you were involved in? Sure. So my first trial was a phase two. That was okay. the one I got into in 2008. That was a phase two trial. And then that helped me stable, held me stable for a year, mm -hmm. when, which was great. It bought me a year. And then by then, a couple other things had been approved. So I was okay. able to get approved therapies for, treat, for therapy three and therapy four. So I was what they consider a, a frequent relapser. Mm -hmm. At that point, after my, um, my fourth relapse, I was looking for a fifth treatment and ended up enrolling at that point in a phase one trial. Okay. So that was of a PI3 kinase inhibitor, so very targeted small molecule drug. Mm -hmm. And I actually lucked into the slot. I got the last mm -hmm. slot. I oh, my God. I got the 20th position at UCLA of this phase one trial. Wow. So clearly a phase one trial is different. It's earlier mm -hmm. in the process, mm -hmm. but, um, but that drug actually bought me an incredible amount of time. That was also an oral drug. So many of these trials are oral drugs mm -hmm. so that you go in and they give you pills and you take your pills home. And um, the other beauty I should mention of trials which I didn't mention earlier, is that trials are provided free of cost to the patient. So at least in my condition for the three trials I had, I never had any out-of-pocket expense for anything, even managing side effects. Mm -hmm. It was all covered by the trial. So not only did they roll the red carpet out and <laughs> husband you through the process, but you don't get any bills for any of this any of the treatment, which, you know, for many people is a very large consideration. Right. So, so yeah, so my second trial of the PI3 kinase inhibitor, which is called, now called Zydelig, um, was a phase one trial. And then, um, and that's, st I started on that in the spring of 2011. Okay. And I was actually on that drug until the end of 2016. Wow. And I continued to take it orally. It never put me in complete remission, but I had stable disease. Okay. And in 2012, I heard about this amazing new thing called CAR-T, which <laughs> is chimeric antigen receptor T-cell therapy. Mm -hmm. And with CAR-T, they actually take the patient's own immune system, part of the patient's own immune system, my T cells, and they genetically modify it in the lab, and they return it to the patient to, and it's very targeted to kill the cancer. Yeah. So I had heard about this in 2012, while I was still in my phase one study, and I called my oncologist the next day, and I said, when is this coming? I, this is amazing. <laughs> he said, you're going to have to be patient, because they're using it first for aggressive lymphomas and aggressive leukemias and pediatric. Mm -hmm leukemia patients. So it's going to be several years, but you're doing great on Zydelig. We're going to carry you along as long as that, you know, keeps working. You're going to stay on that because you have stable disease. And so my third trial in 2018 was a phase two trial of CAR-T for follicular non-Hodgkin's patients. Amazing. Amazing. So I was actually, I was actually the first patient at UCLA 
for cartoon wow. for follicular oh non-Hodgkin's. Yep. Wow, amazing. So then, Laurie, tell us what's the million-dollar question that everybody <laughs> wants to know. What was the outcome? The outcome for the first time in 12 years, my seventh therapy finally put me in complete remission. Wow, amazing. And I wish yeah. we could put up on the screen my before and after scan. Yeah. And you might, we might want to do that after the fact, because you will look at my PET scan before I got CAR-T and my body was riddled with tumors. I probably had eight, my oncologist estimated I had eight pounds of tumor burden oh my when I got my CAR-T cells back. And the beauty of CAR-T is it's a one and done. It's not like a chemo, which you get maybe six months of chemo, or, you know, I was on the trial for almost six years, my second trial, which kept me stable. But CAR-T, you get it, and then you're done. Yeah. And I don't have any long-term side effects. And a month after I got my CAR-T cells, they took me in for a PET scan, and my disease was completely gone. Wow. You're bringing so, me to tears. That's, yeah. that's amazing. I love that. And, that is you know, after 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 having a 12-year battle to finally get a remission. I can't even, I, I can't imagine the feeling. I, I truly, truly cannot. <laughs> yeah. We're so happy for you and, and so excited that you can be here to tell us your story, you know, yeah. and I'm sure anybody who's listening is also feeling the same way and feeling the right. same way for you. Yeah. So, you know, my son was in kindergarten when I was diagnosed and mm -hmm. He spent his entire elementary, middle, high school with a mom sick in treatment with cancer. And the day after I got out of getting my car tea in the hospital, he actually left for his freshman year of college mm -hmm. in Washington, DC. So wow. finally now, two and a half years later, I am still cancer free and in Absolutely complete remission. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And now yeah. you can enjoy wow. everything and hopefully not have that extra weight on your shoulder or in your body, that eight, extra eight pounds <laughs> right, <laughs> either, right? Exactly. So, you know, what are some tips that you would give patients who are considering clinical trials right now, you know, and, and they're either scared or hesitant, you know, is there is there anything that you want to share? So one thing I want to share is that, you know, oftentimes, a patient will see an oncologist who may have been practicing for a decade, two decades, three decades, and they may not know about clinical trials. So it's really incumbent on the patient to begin to explore finding a clinical trial. Now, if you live in a place like Los Angeles, California, where I live, we have six huge cancer treatment centers in LA alone. Right. And in the surrounding area, we have 10. You know, right. so I had great exposure and I could make appointments to go see these doctors that were offering these trials, you know, although now telehealth is a possibility. Yeah. So patients can actually get on through Zoom or some other mechanism and have a consult, you know, with a an, a oncologist who's offering clinical trials. Mm -hmm. So if you're not hearing about it from your current physician, then it's really incumbent to try to find, you know, other doctors that you can speak to remotely about mm -hmm. the possibilities. And, mm -hmm. you know, an important thing for a patient to understand, like I was in LA, so I didn't have to get travel costs covered, but oftentimes on a clinical trial, they will, the, the facility offering the clinical trial will pay for your travel. 
they'll pay to put you up to enroll a clinical trial. Mm-hmm. And so they will really go out of their way to accommodate to get a patient into a clinical trial. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we definitely see that a lot with some of the sites that we're interacting with as well. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, Lori. And, and that's something else, um, uh, you know, something else that you mentioned is is taking the time to research this as a patient and, and finding those trials. And I think that's where Massive Bio uh, can, can help as well um, in taking a little bit of that work off of the patient to try to find a trial, um, as well as the patient's provider. You know, if the provider's looking for another uh, option for the patient, um, that's, that's where our services can step in and sort of ease that process. And you're right, you're in an area where, um, you know, y- you have a lot of resources there for you, but in a lot of um, other places throughout the country, um, it's, it's difficult to really get started. And where do you even look? So, um, right. you know, I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, you have been in touch with Massive Bio and, and are willing to share this uh, with us as well. And, and, um, you know, I, hopefully this can help other patients, you know, make that decision to get in, enrolled in the trial. Um, and yeah, we can, we can absolutely help there. Right. And I also want to add, you know, the pace of change. So when I started with cancer in 2006, there really weren't the options that there are today. Mm-hmm. And the, the acceleration in rolling out trials and approving new agents compared to where I was 15 years ago, it's like night and day. So, you yeah. know, the, the whole environment has changed. And so patients need to take advantage of that. And, and, you know, as I said earlier, these treatments tend to be much more targeted, these newer therapies, you know, fewer, typically fewer side effects, much better understood side effects. And, you know, I went through three clinical trials. I went through seven therapies. And, you know, I'm 61 now. I was diagnosed at 46. And, yeah. you know, I'm training actually to go to the Mount Everest Base Camp to raise money for more cancer oh research. Wow, and, that's fantastic. And so I'm getting strong. And, you know, the fact that I can do that now after having gone through all this cancer treatment right. really is pretty incredible. Absolutely. So it just really speaks to, you know, the, the, the fact that clinical trials aren't like, it's not like 30 years ago, you know, mm-hmm. it was much less understood or even 20 right. years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm a big proponent of trials, you know, because they saved my life. I wouldn't be here if I hadn't been able to get into those trials and get into a complete remission with a phase two study. 